Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. All right, everybody, we want to take a second to talk to you about an amazing sponsor. We have an amazing relationship with RayAllen.com. Ray Allen is a one-stop shop for everything dog, not just working dogs. Everything dog that you need, you can go down there, check them out, RayAllen.com. Awesome people. They got everything you need. Another one of our favorite partnerships is with a dog trip. They've been with us from the start. Uh, great collars, great ball poppers, great GPS tracking, big dog, small dog, bark collars, everything. I got everything like that they have at the kennel. We use it every day. Be sure to head them up, dogtrip.com. Listen for the discount code later in the episode. Hey, guys, it's going to happen. August 16th through the 19th, HITS is coming back. The HITS Canine Conference in Orlando, Florida, August 16th through the 19th. Get on there. It's the biggest, the best. Check it out. Hitscanine.net. Hitscanine.net. Get registered now. Take the guesswork out of making sure you're feeding your working dog correctly by using Kinetic Dog Food. Hit them up at kineticdogfood.com and look them up on the Instagrams at Kinetic Dog Food. Take all the guesswork out and do it right from the beginning. We love Horizon Structures. Dude, this stuff is so awesome, man. You can get online. You can talk to them. You could build it. You want from... Mild to wild, they'll come bring it to your place, set it down on your pad, hook up your power, hook up your water, and you can put dogs in it that day. If you don't believe me, check out some guys like uh, Justin Rigney. He's got a great setup there. Ask him. Check him out, horizonstructures.com. All right, Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Uh, back again, now right before Thanksgiving, depending on when this episode airs. This should be right before the end of the year. So, uh if you haven't listened to the last episode that we did at the end of 2020 before the world fell apart, um, it was our buddy from uh, up in Indiana that uh, ended up coming to an HRD that um, lost Canyon Harley. Uh, super crazy episode. Um, the one that was just before this, uh, a couple before this were also some really, really good episodes. So um, if you haven't listened to them, catch up because I know everybody's probably either traveling to family or getting away from family <laughs> which it's probably going to be my case so uh, i'll be catching up on other episodes on other podcast episodes but uh i am ted summers from tulsa oklahoma as always uh with me is eric stambro eric from canton ohio eric what's going on so it's been pretty good uh we last week i sold a dog out of my kennel and and started the training and then today well yesterday i had uh an agency in from Tennessee and they bought two dogs and they shipped out today. Um, it's a 20 dog unit and this is number seven and eight or six and seven. I have on there trying to get 20 on there. So, uh, good dudes, so, real good. So you use the unit that Bubba's on, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, okay. So yeah. got a lot, got a lot of dogs down there. I, I, you know, they come up, they know what they get. I, I let, I let them do for a green dog testing a little bit more, then I, then I do let some other folks do, um, but it works out. They know what they're getting and uh, I've never had a dog return from them. So it, it works out real well before we got on this thing. So I was at the gym and, uh, the workout we're getting ready to do. It's like a CrossFit ish kind of workout. And so I have a box, it's a 24 inch box to do these weighted dumbbell step-ups. And then in between that, we have a, uh, a plate and we're doing tricep extensions from the plate. So we do 20, 20 presses, 10, 18 presses, 10 all the way down through. Well, while we're standing there talking, I'm <laughs> holding the fucking plate on the box and I'm bullshit and I'm not paying attention. And it gets the end and drops 
off the box, straight onto my foot. Think I broke my toe. Pretty sure I broke my toe. You're gonna lose a toenail. You've ran marathons before. It'll be all right. Yeah, I mine mine. Uh, I ran nine <laughs> marathons in five years and never It'll lost a toenail, so it's pretty good. So yeah, well, you're owed. But you're 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 gonna yeah, yeah, you gotta yeah, do it now. <laughs> that hurt. That hurt really bad. But then I had to do the workout. So, anyways, what's going on in Tulsa? Uh, nothing. We're I've been dealing with pets all day. We did a bunch of police dog stuff today. Uh, I've got some single and some dual purpose dogs that got sold that are getting ready to get trained. Um, kind of getting ready for a class we got going on in January. And then looks like HRD may be going to Canada next year. Uh, so that'll be fun. Um, yeah. So, and then we looks like we may have some stuff in Louisiana and some other places that are coming up, but, uh, my next one's not till the end of January in South San Francisco. Uh, if it's still there by then. So, yeah. um, I don't know if they're going to fucking steal everything. So, uh, <laughs> seriously, like, I mean, I'm going to show up at the Airbnb and it's going to be a fucking tent. So mm-hmm. uh, like, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Uh, I like, it's fucking crazy. It's fucking COVID times. So I don't know, but, uh, other than that, it's just pets and police dogs. Uh, my electrician showed up today and got our heater hooked up. So, or the city showed up and we had to remove the water or the, the gas meter because I'm putting an outdoor, like an outside door out. So we're going to run, um, 10 outdoor runs for the canines outside. And then all the pet dogs are inside. Um, so I have a, yeah, like a pass through that we built, um, and they had to move the gas heat gas meter for it. And the gas company showed up today and hooked it all that shit back up. And the electrician showed up and of course, you know, there's both my interns are there and I'm like, uh, go work on place and I'll be back. (laughs) Like, Hmm. so yeah, I mean, that's been other than that, nothing's been going on, but so, uh, what do we got going on tonight? So, oh, before we, before I introduce the guest tomorrow, I have a four-hour tattoo appointment, you know, my every oh. Wednesday, and this should complete the yeah. suit. It should right. be complete. They got to do here and fill in some spots in my back and over my shoulders. Um, so I, I'm just straight up a masochist, I guess. So uh, four hours of, of just... But anyway, so tonight our guest um, is, if you're... It's funny because, you know, the United States is a big country. K9 is a small segment of everything going on. However, um, if you're not into a certain level uh, of knowledge in the canine world, you might not have heard of our guest. If you are, then you've heard of him. Probably a lot of you haven't met him. Uh, you heard of him. Uh, he, however, has been involved in highest levels of dog training starting out. We'll get into his, into his history starting out like me and a lot of other guys working the road as a cop and then progressing on to uh, a bunch of different things in, in the dog world. And um, now we're getting him out. We're getting to uh, display some of his stuff and we're going to get into a lot of stuff tonight. It's going to be a little bit different probably than our normal format. Just a lot more free flowing. Uh, I think we all have a beverage of some sort in our hands. I've got so, um, Welcome to uh, to the podcast is our new friend, uh, Steve Stoops. Steve, how are you, buddy? Happy to be here. Good to see you, Eric. Good to see you, Ted. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, little known fact, Ted, in Steve's phone, my phone number has your name on it, and he won't change it. That's right. Every time I message, he goes, it says Ted Summers. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm Ted. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> You'll get blamed for some shit, though. I'll tell you that. That's fine. I, I'm, I believe me. I'm used to it. Like, I'm used. To, believe me. That that that, yeah. I, that will be the least of my problems. Right. So, Steve, thanks for coming on. I know you. Uh, your your schedule could be pretty hectic. Uh, but t- uh, fill everybody in, like where you got your start and kind of where we're at to how we got to like today. Marine Corps Infantry from there uh, onto the police department after about five years on the police department, got into canine. And uh, in that time, I, uh, I worked in a pretty busy town, 150 man department um, and uh, started uh, the organization DADAC, Dogs Against Drugs, Dogs Against Crime, which actually gave me the opportunity to absorb more knowledge than my young dog a lot of different people very early as an inexperienced, open-minded young cherub, uh, both good and bad, you know, from that. Uh, and then um, this is traveling around the country and the world teaching and then uh, took a job. Uh, the DOD contacted me to take a, take a job and I've been there ever since, kind of flying under the radar until uh, probably the past past three or four months. Uh, um, yeah, I've been flying under the radar on purpose. Uh, and now uh, with the blessings of the people I work for, uh, I can come out a little bit and start talking dog talk with my friends. So if you look back into the police stuff, you, you did five years and then got the dog. What we never really asked anybody this um, people, their opinion. Do you think we hear these guys, man, I've been on for a year. I'm getting a dog. Do you feel like you should yeah. really get that cop stuff down first or, or you it's individual thing, or do you think you were ready for it at five years? I think, uh, I think you need a couple of years on the street, um, just to mature as a, as a police officer and, and hold your own, you know, hold your own mud without a, without a fur missile in the car. Um, but, um, yeah, I've never, that's a good question. I'm, I've never thought about that. I, I do think you need to break it in on the street a little bit. Before, before you get a dog or before you become a detective or. Yeah. I'm, uh, my, the department I worked at is, was uh, anywhere between 160 and 200 fluctuated up and down high crime area. I know you guys uh, from listening to you on some other shows, you guys really ran and running and gunning and really got into a lot of stuff going on there. Um, when you got into the dog stuff there, how, how big was the unit? So uh, there were like, I think maybe four dogs, um, but it was when the era was changing. You're a lot younger than I am. Uh, when I got into it, and it was 1989, um, still the big mean uh, police dog was the norm. Uh, the the strong social thing uh, that wasn't a part yeah. of it back then, and and. and um, um, they weren't finding a lot of bad guys. I think these dogs were built like Tarzan and fought like Jane uh, when I look back on it. Um, and then uh, I, by, by accident, I got my dog, which was a Malinois, and I didn't know what the heck a Malinois was. I would always be the only guy with one at a seminar, but he was social. He was, you know, uh, what I still desire today. And uh, that was, uh, so those guys subsequently left. They were kind of the old guard, uh, and they, they kind of quietly left. Um, yeah, I got busy with my dog, you know, and uh, 
uh, had some successes. So. What uh, back then? What were what was the certifying body you guys were under? Uh, the first I, Napa Water was the first one I ever certified through. Um, but um, I worked. I uh, did. A, I actually did an Opata certification. Oh yeah, you are our next door neighbors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that was in Sylvania, Ohio. Hmm. Uh, I know it was cold. Yeah, um, <laughs> but my department also had its own certification. Oh, okay. So back then in the, in the eighties. So while I got in the canine unit in, I got hired in 96, I got in canine in Oh five. Yeah. We were still in Oh five, a yank and crank unit, old yeah. techniques, a lot of old style stuff. Um, when you got in, was there, were you just kind of a, a sponge absorbing everything or is there some things you right away we're like, man, this looks like we're running uphill. Maybe we can do things a little bit differently. Yeah. I, uh, I bought my own dog and that's how oh. that started. I took a, I took a loan out. I, they, you know, the canine unit, they were like, uh, we don't have room for you. And I said, what if I bought my own dog? And they're like, well, if you're silly enough to do that, do it. So I took a $6,500 loan out. Uh, and I'll get to your question, but just to give you a little background. Uh, my uncle was actually, the vice president of the bank and I went to him for a loan and he turned me down. Yeah. So I had to go to, he said, you know, that's stupid. I'm not going to loan you money for a dog. And I uh, went to one of, I'm not going to name the finance company. It's one of those high interest ones. I took a loan. And uh, so I started that act dogs against drugs just to, uh, as a way to pay myself back through car washes. Cause you know, I was on the hook for 120 bucks a month for the next yeah. six years. So, uh, but anyhow, I went, I, I knew nothing about dogs. I knew which had ate, which had crap. That's exactly what I knew about them. And uh, I went down to a school and it was, it was uh, yanking and cranking. Uh, we called it uh, jerk ass, kick ass dog training. Jerk um, ass, kick ass. All right. Yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> and you know, there's, there's, uh, I tell the guy, you know, now I'm old, so I sound like an old man, but I, there's some good things in the old ways, uh, but there's great things in the new ways, but, I think doing the aggregate, I think you're correct. If you do that. Yeah. So, um, talk about, uh, DADAC for a minute. Like, uh, it's pretty early to have that kind of foresight of, of, a of, of a foundation or did, was it a 501 C three that you could take yeah. donations? So Eric, one thing you gotta know about me is my life isn't a well thought out plan. Like everything that happened to me happened by accident. Um, so yeah, 501 my other uncle, the good uncle, was an attorney, and uh, he advised me to, to file the 501 c and then I had a board of, a, of another guy that owned the Dairy Queen, he was a good guy, nice. and uh, it just took off, uh, it went from paying off my little dog, to I had enough money left over to buy another dog for somebody, and I bought, uh, I bought the second dog that Ken Licklider ever sold, um, <laughs> and uh <laughs> Um, so it took off and started making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And I was donating dogs wow. around the country. Then I had an idea to policemen couldn't go to seminars and they probably still can't because departments never give the canine guys the budgets. So I would have these seminars and I would fly Jan Kallenbach in from Holland, uh, Don Yarnell, people from all over the country. And I would charge 35 bucks for the seminar. And with that, you got a free t-shirt. So it really afforded a lot of officers the opportunity to come to a seminar. 
Yeah, things haven't changed. It's still the same. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, your first dog uh, was named Zane. Um, so, which is where your Instagram name comes from and all that kind of stuff, which we'll talk about here in a second. But talk a little bit about him. You were at a Malinois. <laughs> you had a Malinois and a German Shepherd time. Yeah. So, yeah, it was all German Shepherds. And when I, I went to a uh, guy named Gene, Gene England down in Bowling Green, Kentucky, we had a, a company called Advanced Canine. I found him by accident, but he was a uh, nationally renowned Schutzen trainer. And I went down there and he had a kennel full of German Shepherds. And I said, I remember there was a German Shepherd in there named Sharky. And Sharky was handsome. And I, I said, you know, I gave the down payment on the dog. And he said, give me a few weeks. I'm going to match a dog up with your personality. And I said, okay. And I went home and he said, hey, I've got your dog for you. Come on back down. And he said, it's a Malinois. And I said, what the hell is a melon, melon well, whatever you call it. He said, come down. And when, he, when I came down, he had me sit in his office. And he said, I'll bring your dog to you. And when he brought it in, it was a slinky, skinny little Malinois, not handsome. And I, and I, I remember looking at him and I said, Gene, I need a tough dog. I was heartbroken. <laughs> and he said, that is a tough dog. And uh, lo and behold, um, I was saved by the Indianapolis Police Department. I went back there after, after a four-week school, you know, knowing enough to be dangerous. And... The Indianapolis Police Department, they offered their patrol school for free. And I was actually a compatriot with Mike Deal. We were from the mm-hmm. same era, and that forged oh, yeah. Mike Deal and Craig Patton, that forged a lifelong friendship. We were all young buckaroos. And uh, that's where I got my street knowledge. And then uh, Zane ultimately was got her, uh, an award from, the, from President Clinton. You know, so we, we uh, did a lot together. Did, when you came home with him, did the guys talk some shit? Those big hundred pound shepherd dudes? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was skinny. He wasn't a, a recruiting poster by any means. And I had an accidental dog bite uh, the second or third night on duty um, before my school even started. When oh. I brought him home for socialization, <laughs> I, I told my supervisor that I'm supposed to ride the dog around in the car with me at night. And they said, well, okay, you can do that, but don't get him out of the car under any circumstance. Well, couple nights later we had a, a dangerous bar called the El Morocco or those drug dealing shootings cuttings that kind of place and uh let's show the badge a little bit my buddy called me on the radio he said let's meet and walk your dog around the El Morocco that's a bad idea because I don't know anything about Malamoth got the dog out and you're we're talking about the little little skinny dog um he was one of those meaty Malamoths you know the ones that always are up wanting to be petted years back they don't look macho at all that, that kind of dog and as we were standing outside that tavern a guy walked up a local rabble rouser that we knew well came walking up and he said i'm going to eat your dog and i said you know you need to stay away from my dog because i was worried about my dog mm-hmm. this guy lunged forward he went ah and my dog jumped up bit him in the forehead put him on his ass and i thought I'm done. I'm fired. It's over. And, uh, <laughs> I, but I had the best supervisor in the world, a guy named Leon Wazowski, that came in and chewed me out a little bit, gave me a little tough love, but he didn't end me. You know, he was he stood by me. Uh, thanks, Leon. Dude, good job, Leon, man. Yeah, we yeah. need more guys like that nowadays. Yeah. My yeah. old department, there's two dudes named last name Wazowski. So, really? 
Yeah, yeah. Good dudes too, man. Yeah, they're they're cousins be, of some sort. They gotta be good if their name's Wazalewski. I I guess, yeah. I was about to ask, like, what are the odds of that? <laughs> I don't know. You live in Ohio, right? So it's yeah. gotta be a thing. But there's a, some there's some SKIs in Ohio. There's a there's a pretty good amount of them, probably in Indiana too. So um how did so you get you get to go through Indianapolis? How did the career with that dog go? How how did it look? Um, he saved my life. Uh, uh, we got I hate doing the bike parade numbers, but we got numerous numerous apprehensions where we located and dominated. Um, and uh, you know Anderson was uh, HBO did a special at that time during the nineties. It was known as the crack cocaine capital of America. And HBO did it was on I sixty nine. Uh, connected with Flint, Michigan, and uh, we we had a, oh. a lot of violent crime there. I think it sounds like your city, Eric. Yeah, Canton's uh, cracked. It's what it yeah. is. Yeah. Like a rust a rust belt town, you know. General Motors bolted and left poverty in the wake. You know. Well, if you're going to be good at something, I mean, you should be the best of whatever that is. Yeah. The best crack yeah. town in in America. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, ours is better. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying, Anderson. Good job. Yeah, good, yeah. good rolling, boys. So, uh, how long did you end up working that dog? Uh, about uh, maybe three years, and then I, uh, I then Dadak was rolling, and, and uh, an officer in Oklahoma named Justin Hutchison, he had been shot on a uh, SWAT entry in, in uh, Fort Gibson, Oklahoma, shot in the chest, and he had called me. He wanted a dog because Dadak, we were donating dogs, and he was telling me about a situation that they were doing a lot of hits on meth houses. And I thought, well, you know, I got this good experienced dog here. And I gave the dog to Justin and uh, I took another dog. Uh, and uh, it was hard, hard getting rid of him. But the the uh, the joy of um, helping somebody else like that outweighed any sorrow that I felt. And uh, and I got my next dog from Mike Deal. I got an 11 month old uh, Mike Deal bred German Shepherd. So how were you? How was Dadak raising money? I mean, you guys, you're donating dogs and everything. That's you're rolling through there. How did we make the money? Yeah, like how? How was your main thing? A telemarketing. It was before it was a yeah. Before it was uh, in the '90s, uh, it didn't have the stench that it has now. And uh, people, and we put out a magazine, uh, and people, a lot of people outside the telemarketing donated. So. Um, it did really, really well. And then you bring friends in. <laughs> and what happens when you bring friends in? Yeah. Um, they tell two it, friends. It, and it, they it, tell it two started friends. with a bang and ended with a whimper. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So um, you, your department, and you talked, you mentioned it earlier that you got into canine and then started being able to travel all over the country and even overseas a little bit. Uh, How did you talk them into that? Because you can't get dudes to get their department to send them next door to do training. Yeah. Oh, well, I took my own vacation time, and, and so I became a, a dog hippie. And uh, I paid my own way to everything. And, you know, I, I got to give a shout out uh, to Ken Licklider because Ken was the best man at my wedding. I knew Ken while he was still in the Air Force, and he was one of the people I met young in my life. And uh, Ken afforded me the opportunity to go to Europe in the early nineties with him. Um, so I met a lot of the right people, you know, a lot of people out in California that just afforded me a lot of training, but I, I think it was, you know, I was drinking through a fire hose. Um, and that, that, 
I was really, um, I met more people, ran into more than really a young guy, a young mind. I, I said it earlier, you know, a young dog mind can handle for the good and bad, you know, I guess. Yeah. And it's so funny. Uh, I heard you on another podcast. So kind of like the two biggest vendors in the United States are in very direct competition, Kenny and, and the Reavers out in California, but you somehow have managed to be very good friends with the two of them. Yes. How, how is that dichotomy? Is that from, yeah. Mike Reaver and Ken Licklider are two of my best friends in the world. And they are trying to put each other out of business on a daily basis. Um, so the, the, the they, I brought them together once at a, at a, a seminar in, in Tennessee and uh, we all sat down together and laughed and had a glass of whiskey. And uh, uh, one of the towels of Zane is uh, a serious, seriousness is the refuge of the mediocre. Uh, we all love to laugh and we all had that in common and uh, just busting balls and having fun. So that's how it happened. Um, I met Mike in California and then he, he worked with me at DOD for a while. And we, you know, we saw each other every day, just like in the nineties, Ken and I were fricking track. And uh, so, yeah, my, my two good buddies. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a pretty interesting uh, yeah. relationship that you got set up um, real quick. We're going to go ahead and take our first break. When we come back. We're going to fast forward to um, just, just touching on a couple little things here. And I want to get into some philosophy with you about training tools and uh kind of police dogs where we're at right now and the certification stuff and which is a big hit for Ted, the certification standards, which I'm blown away in this country, the lack of, or the differences and how weird or, or stuff like that. So we will be right back. Hits Canine Training Conference. This is America's premier canine training seminar packed to the brim with the world's best instructors and me and Eric, all covering important topics. There's no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers, breeders, and trainers. HITS 2022 is being held in Orlando, Florida this year, August 16th through the 19th. And I know how you guys are. Everybody waits the last minute. And in the post-Rona world, everybody's training budgets are being cut and everybody's deciding whether they're going to be able to get to go or not. So don't wait because they're not going to have an infinite number of spots and the price goes up after a certain date. So get signed up as soon as possible. It's in Orlando. We'll see you there. Be sure to hit them up. Hits K9, letter K number nine dot net. One of the best relationships we have in this podcast and in this industry is with the great people down at Kinetic Dog Food. The story of Kinetic uh, Performance Dog Food is pretty simple. They wanted to make a better premium dog food for the dogs that need it the most. Their goal is to give every working and sporting dog a higher energy level better performance, and better overall health through superior nutrition. So they formulated a line of food based on what they considered to be the optimal profile of a performing of performance dog. They've done tons of research on this. This isn't their first rodeo. These guys know what they're doing. If you're a kennel, they will come to your kennel. They will see the problems that you have. They will check out what works for the dogs that you have. Um, they're amazing people to work with. They drop ship a pallet right to you if you want. Um, I know a lot of guys that use them. There's a bunch of different formulas on there. And uh, 32K might not be for your dogs. Maybe the 26K works. They can adjust it. They'll give you the right ideas what to do in different parts of the year. Winter's different than summer. It's uh, it's really a well-run, good dog food um, company, kineticdogfood.com. 
be sure to check them out on social media too, man. They're, they're amazing folks. Kineticdogfood.com. By now, you've probably all heard my story at least once. I'm usually getting tagged by dogs or hurting myself. So this next product is like near and dear to me because I actually use it. Uh, Quick Turn by Vet Care. It does great for keeping small things from turning into big ones. I use it at the kennel for uh, clients' dogs that have some issues with skin stuff or have food allergies or have environmental allergies. Works great. Keeps hot spots from making giant hot spots. And it keeps my working dogs who inevitably find magnificent ways to hurt themselves from turning it into a giant vet visit. Stops little issues from becoming big ones. So it comes in a spray, it comes in an ointment, it comes in a dressing. It's great for creating a protective barrier and promoting wound healing. You really only have to use it like once a day. So there's no reason not to have it in the vehicle. Since it's temperature stable, you don't got to worry about it getting hot, getting cold or anything like that. So put it in your first aid kit or put it in your cabinet. Vetcare.us on the internet. Quick Derm by Vetcare on the inter- on Instagram and on Facebook. And then hit them up with the discount code 10WDR for 10% off your first order. Next up comes uh, training courses online from our friends down at Highland Canine Training, Jason and Aaron Ferguson. So in the post-Rona world, uh, training budgets have been getting cut. People aren't going to be able to travel, whether it be instructors or they be canine handlers and supervisors going somewhere else for training. So... Highland has announced a lot of online training courses. One of those that sticks out to me is their police supervisor canine course. And it's no secret that one of the problems with canine tends to be some of the supervision issues. This course is specifically designed for administrators and covers utilization as well as liability and FLSA issues. The course can be taken at your convenience and you'll receive a certificate of completion at the end. When you go to tactical police canine training that's letter k number nine training.com and use the discount code wdr30 you'll get 30 percent off of that course all right everybody we're back working dog radio broadcasting the bite with our uh buddy steve stoops also known as zane um it's kind of become a um what most people call you i would assume in your in your life uh a moniker now we know where it came from so um Having got, gone over the DOD, you still uh, are involved in dogs of all kinds. Dogs, police dogs, your, the other job dogs, all kinds of things. Um, and I also saw an article about executive protection dogs and things like that. You have, uh, um, I think the article is about what to look for in those types of dogs. Um, going through, how, how many, if you had to just kind of guess, how many dogs do you think you've had? hands-on over the years oh golly uh hundreds maybe thousands yeah 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 i've done hundreds so you have to be in the thousands well, you've probably done more than me because you run a dog business yeah that's true yeah ours are this to to that so yeah. well these make you good too yeah oh well, yeah they we ted and i talk about a lot doing the pets made me a better trainer maybe yeah. uh a little bit smoother. So you and I have talked a couple of times. Um, you have, I'd like to talk about before we get into all the other thing, you mentioned it already, the Tao of Zane. It's a, it's a hashtag you use. It's kind of, I think you may even have it on a shirt or something like that. It's definitely uh, a mindset. You called yourself a dog hippie. Can you kind of explain that and get into it a little bit? Yeah. So um, um, my uh, good friend, Caroline Watts, I, I told you my she's one of my best friends. She's married to Rob Watts, who started the uh, the Ranger Dog Program. Uh, man of renown in his own right. But anyhow, she 
prodded me to do this. And so uh, we came up with the Zane Canine Dynamics and then the Tao of Zane. Uh, the Tao meaning the way. I'm, you know, I love Enter the Dragon. I love Bruce Lee movies. Oh, yeah. And yeah, like, none, you know, you're, you're lucky I have a nunchuck you already. I have um, nunchucks at my facility, a set of nunchucks. Oh, I just hit so myself like, in the back of the head with them the other day. Do you ever the bathroom like Chaz and wedding crashes? No, no, I should have no, though. Yeah, I do. Uh, anyhow, so mom, uh, meatloaf, <laughs> mom. But uh, we um, came up with the towel of Zane, the way. Um, and uh, there's a few of the towels. Number one is on like on the back of the shirt. Life short, trained dogs. Um, if it ain't fun, it ain't worth doing. Um, don't teach them what you don't want them to learn. Um, hit the accelerator, not the brake pedal. Um, the e-collar is a director, not a corrector. Um, don't outsmart them, outdumb them. And that goes for people too, uh, people and dogs. So, uh, and then also the uh, seriousness is the refuge of the mediocre because life is short, gotta laugh. I wouldn't do dog training if it wasn't fun. I, I, I don't care how Not much for as many that. years, for sure, man. Yeah, it keeps me bouncing. <laughs> So when you got uh, started getting into training and uh, you get over there to, to the, the other job, what, did, what was something that you immediately changed in what, the way training had been done before that you're like, that's old, this is better? Where the job I'm working at now? Uh, it, well, just in general, when you got to make an actual training decision where this is what we're going to do. The the first thing I, the first tra uh, training decision or tactic that I came up with, have you ever heard of the nose is 10, eight, the nose is 10, eight. Yeah. It's a drill that I came up with. No, by uh, I won't bore do you it because we'll steal the shit out of it. No, so I was like, do it. <laughs> we'll fucking change it or do something. So did you ever notice when you got a new dog and you're on the street, you do your first, you do your first search inside the city. The dog is pissing on every trash can. Mm -hmm. uh, like he's, he's hundred percent on every training track, every training search he's on it. Uh, well, I mean, when you do it on duty, you know, the dog couldn't find a whore in Amsterdam, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so sorry, kids. Um, Why is that not on a shirt? So what, <laughs> what I started doing was not giving a search command in training when uh, the dog wouldn't know it was training because I would have a buddy on duty. We would, have a pre-planned hiding spot where I where I knew where the where he was, uh, and I would take the dog a leisurely walk a couple through a couple of alleys. And this is mainly a city drill because the city is, you know, an urban search in a city is hard in the neighborhood. And uh, I would walk the dog to where where he was downwind, and when he scented the guy, just let himself discover and get the guy. And then every time that I, we would train like that and I would never have a search for him. We'd just take a long walk and somewhere on this long walk, uh, the dog would odor the guy and bite him. And that taught the dog that, you know, always keep the nose vigilant, you know, that, and that was, I, that was the first one that I can think of that, and you're probably doing something similar. Um, but that was just 1992 and, and, uh, I got frustrated on, you know, new dogs, not performing as they do in training. So, we, um, we have a similar one that Eric brought over from the San Diego program uh, called the Amoeba. We call it the Amoeba drill, but we send a dog in <clears throat> to a room where they see one guy run 
and they go into a room and there's more than one guy and all and they're in a muzzle and they just bounce around and they're like a fucking ping pong ball and just fucking tear people up where it applies to law enforcement is uh, several things when we talk talking about selection one of the things that a lot of handlers and selectors want to see is a dog like how they are when they're not in drive like are they fucking dickhead are they super social like like what are they doing so in that drill, like for the people that are listening to this that have run that, and we're in the 600s now at HRD, um, and I've run it a lot at other places and whatever else. So the dog gets a muzzle check, right? So I'm standing there, you know, talking and joking with the handler, and I do a muzzle check, and I'm like, all right, we're going to turn this corner. As soon as we turn this corner and you hear me say, hey, get the fuck on the ground, and it always comes from a third party, like from whoever is running that station, send the dog and the decoys are under instructions. And so the dog is just kind of like, oh, I'm just kind of, you know, chilling out, running along, doing whatever. And then he hears me say like super loud, like, hey, get the fuck on the ground. And he sees somebody running and the handler's like, stop. And sends him and chases him into a room. So he goes from whatever, just hanging out to super high state of arousal and drive and he's got to go in and smoke people right then. And it's a uh, it's an interesting one to watch the dogs because I'll see dogs that are fantastic in muzzles. And then if they're kind of, you know, like fucking around and doing whatever. Yeah. And then as soon as they hear, because and where that is applicable to you guys listening, they're in law enforcement. If you get assigned to a marshal's task force and you're sneaking up on people and you're trying to be quiet and the dog's like chilling out and nobody's really saying anything. And all of a sudden some dude bounces out of an apartment. Or bounces out of a house, you're like, hey, the fuck on the ground. And then, I mean, it happens in wait, half a second and yep. you got to go. And the dog can't be like, wait, what? What are we doing? Where are we at? Who, where am I? Like, what the fuck is going on? It's like, nope. And uh, we posted a video of the last one in South Carolina of a dog doing it. And I did it. We went from zero, from muzzle check to smoking multiple decoys in like 27 seconds. And <laughs> the dog was just kind of like, he's super social, his big ass German Shepherd. He's like, oh, he let me check his muzzle. He let me pet on him. He's scratching on me. I'm like, yeah, okay, buddy, let's go. And you hear me say, hey, get the fuck on the ground. And you see the dog kind of look and you hear the handler go, fuck Stalin and run. And so, no, that's a good exercise. And it's, it's, you know, I mean, like if you're tracking somebody, like you said, in a sit in an alley or in a, like in a city situation where the dog is like, you don't know if you're necessarily tracking, tracking, but you're kind of like, searching independently the dog you said like you said self-discovery they still have got to like head on a swivel ears up give me something that tells me that there's somebody hiding behind a trash can or in this like little dark alcove or something so yeah i like it it's the yeah, same so concept but it's weird when i was just a regular beat cop uh before i had a dog we we rode in two-man cars and every when i was especially younger and then when i had young dudes with me every time i turn you look at the street sign and see where we're turning because around this corner it's a high crime city around this corner at any chance there's something going to bad going to be happening and it worked all the time turn the corner give me every once in a while I look at a, an address so it's kind of the same thing be switched on even when cuz everything's around the corner the the nose everything everything is around the corner that you you might have to to work i like that um when so did you kind of drills, uh the, the one ted ted just mentioned i i call those canine intensification drills you know uh you know stuff like that yeah. yeah i like that name um when did you uh or or was it hard to get guys convinced that they don't need that hundred pound defensive dog that that us and it took a long time for me and everybody else 
And not everybody in law enforcement understands that a social dog it, it is probably a lot better for you than than just yeah. that asshole. So let me let me ask you guys' opinion on this, um, if I may. Uh, this stuff that uh, if you're going to handle dogs, you're going to get bit. I call bullshit on that. Like I, I, I'm getting bit, of course, but that, a, a handler shouldn't expect that on you know as as a canine officer. Thus, the social dog. Like I'm not talking about getting bit over misdirected aggression of toy, but a dog that is handler aggressive. Like I have no time for that. Yeah. Uh, when I'm selecting, what do you what What's your opinion? We've said it uh, numerous times on here. We've asked guys that were you know our age, a little bit older that. That like so hey how many times did you get bit how'd that go and um almost like it was a rite of passage you like you said but i have and and ted i know is the exact same way i have no interest in a dog that is uh sketchy like gonna handle the handler aggressive dog where right. it, it should not be your rite of passage to get smoked by your own dog right yeah. so often no, shit happens yeah. every once in a while but off, yeah. you know what i mean so yeah. my thing like eric and i both kind of made a name um for being able to take dogs that had histories like that and being able to successfully place them it's a fucking pain in the ass and it sucks because you know like i can handle dogs like that and eric can handle dogs like that but that doesn't mean that I can then turn the leash over because like, I kind of know where the thresholds are. I know like what to expect and whatever else. And when it gets fucking weird and people are yelling and people are screaming, I cannot have that dog decide. Yeah. Or if a handler is at low ready with his firearm, giving commands to somebody waiting on backup, I cannot have that dog decide. Eh, I'm tired of waiting. I'm going to do this anyway. Yeah. And, and I just can't do it. So um, while like I could probably handle that, I'm not in that position. Like I'm a fucking canine trainer. Like that's what I do. And, but I can't in good conscience, like sell dogs like that to departments. Now there are dogs that I have taken that have smoked handlers because they're super heavy handed. Like right. they get in their ass for no reason. And they're I'm like, so whenever I, whenever they come to me and they're like, we got a bite history. I'm like, well, like what happened? Like, why did he bite him? And, you know, it was just kind of one of those, like, was it misdirected aggression? Was it overcorrection? Like, what was it? Because we had several dogs come through that were overcorrection and I can handle those dogs. No problem. And I pass them off. And once we get the behavior set and trained, they're not truly handler aggressive. They just don't like to be fucked with. And, but like dogs that are handler aggressive or learn to smoke people to get what they want or to turn pressure off. Mm -mm. not me <laughs> i'm tired of being the guy that's like oh send him to ted he'll fix it and i'm like no fuck that like i can fix it but i can't sell it and then they still expect me to fucking pay for it which i'm like no i ain't doing that either so <laughs> nope <laughs> yeah. i don't want to fix it i want to pay for it anymore if you're listening to this don't send me those motherfuckers anymore nobody call me so <laughs> well the thing is for like you you in your current job so cops most cop dog guys it's a guy and the dog. Maybe you got another dude. Maybe it's a couple. There's not as many situations where it's dudes on top of dudes, close transportation. You know, it's you and the dog. You get out. People, you're kind of running the show, doing your own thing. But like in tactical units or where you're at now and everything, it's 
nut to butt. It's dudes on dudes on dudes, you know, and free flowing. You can't have a dog just, just smoking people because they, because they can't control themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, and, uh, um, I, the dog that I want for what I do now is the same dog I wanted on the street. You know, the the very same dog. I think the dog we all want, but Ted, you know, you're right. Like I'm a dog trainer. If you're a dog trainer, you're like an electrician. You might get shocked. If you're a dog trainer, you might, you know, you're going to get bit once in a while, but I will never knowingly buy no a, an asshole in fact we used like, to though man Woo. in fact to bring part of this conversation kind of full circle a little early like in the first segment you were talking about like back in the day right like these dogs that are just shitheads and they would smoke everybody and it was a product of how people trained and it was and i hear this so often i saw it today that they're like oh dogs aren't what they used to be anymore i'm like the fuck they're not like i've seen some of them oh, motherfuckers from back in the day and i'm like no they're every bit as gnarly as they have been in the past the thing that's happened is we've kind of changed the way that we handle these animals and we've learned a lot more about drive and what like precipitates some of these behaviors and the problem is i was on the phone today with a sheriff, a sitting sheriff for a sheriff's office. And he's like, I don't want a vicious dog. I'm like, we don't do that anymore. And this guy's in his late fifties, early sixties. And so the last time he worked the road was basically when you guys were like, he was probably one of your two sergeants or something. Right. (laughs) So that's the only thing he fucking remembers is these dogs that you can't get fucking near. And there's department in his sheriff's office and has had a dogs. Well, and like 15 years or something, which is still really prevalent back then. So basically I had to kind of like run down the case law problems. And then I had to run down like how we train and what this is for and like how we select dogs now and like what we like choose and how we train them. Cause he's super worried about them biting backup guys. He's super worried about them biting the handler. He's super worried about them. And I told him, I was like, well, cause they do some stuff with the marshals. I'm like, you're going to bite a marshal. Like, and it's going to be their fault. So like, it is what it is. If you're marshaling yeah, and listening you to this, stay the fuck out of the way. Like, <laughs> and I tell him, I'm like, you know, dogs, I was like, we train, you can't train dogs to bite people. I'm like shocked when they do. And if they get in the way, well, <laughs> I don't know what you want me to tell you, but I mean, like, they're not just going to randomly decide to f- smoke people. And, you know, we select dogs for sociability and stability now, not just aggression. Like, I think our, uh, our concept or like our definition or however you want to, put it but what we determine as aggression now is a lot different than it was 20 something years ago and so yeah Yeah. and we don't like if i have a dog that's just like super thin nerved and super thin and that's the thing if you have a dog that's like that that bites people for no problem or like for very very little reason i can guarantee you they almost have an environment they will almost always have an environmental problem and it may not show it during testing but they're going to have environmental problems with noise with dark rooms with depth perception with something like i can guarantee you that comes down like it's a nerve problem more than anything else yeah and it's like humans you know wouldn't wouldn't you use the same criteria to pick people for your squad as you would your dogs you know openness that doesn't have to be friendly but openness Mm -hmm. courage and work ethic stability there it is so here's a question for you when you're you're talking about mentioned selection um i i had two dogs recently that i've mentioned on the podcast that were if if right here was unmanageable like (laughs) one of them was my last hrd by the way right well unmanageable 
these dogs were just just under it, just a bit under it. When you're when you're testing dogs, what what behavior do you see that you're like it's too much? Like n- not even aggression, but the dry, it's too much. Um, it's funny because I'll take all the dog I can get as long as he is not dangerous to the handler. Do you see what I mean? So I, I've had him. The one behavior is uh, uh, crate spinning. If I see a lot of that, not nonsensical behavior. Yeah. Crate spinning, side sucking, tail sucking. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. You know. But as far as a dog busy, busy, doesn't want to get get rid of the ball. Uh, I'll take all that I can get, as long as there's no aggression channeled at the handler. You know, when we have to out the ball. That's why when uh, I'll tell you something funny. When I when you guys will laugh because. Uh, You'll call me a sissy, but when I go to Europe, I have the European guy. If anybody's going to get bit, it's going to be him, not me. When I'm no, testing that, off, hey, uh, here, you, you take this ball, you out him. Let me see you do a strong out. You, here's my uh-huh. muzzle. Put it on him. You know, if you love him so much, pick him up. So I let them do all that stuff. Uh, I don't do it. No, I, see, no, there's out. I'm a coward. Yeah, no, no, you're smart. That. Nope. <laughs> no, we, Eric and I have both gotten videos from vendors in Europe where. They go to take the dog off a golf a bite strong and the video ends. We're like, where's the rest of it? Yeah. What happened? You, the, you see the dog go like this, and then the video stops. Yeah. Like, hey. Oh, that dude got bit. You're like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. So God bless the people that you can trust, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So um let's I want to jump over uh to to equipment stuff, uh training equipment, everything, something that you and I were talking about. Um, one of the biggest misunderstood or misused um, tools is uh, e-collar. Um, we had a discussion before. I know back in the day you were uh, a big Tritronics rep. I think you were on their website or their magazine. I'm a, I'm a magazine. Yeah. I made the cover because I'm so good looking. Of course. Yeah. Looking at it. <laughs> so, and then we, we kind of talked about it. And listening to you on another podcast with the lady that was uh, the FBI lady. Um, Sonia Nordstrom. Yeah, yeah, Sonia. Right. Uh, Very good episode. Very good podcast she has. Um, You had a lot of strong opinions about the use of the e-collar, the misuse of the e-collar. And then we're going to talk about some training you just did a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about. But uh, what, what, like, how did you, how were you introduced to the e-collar and how, kind of how, you see things have gone or were or up and down, how, how things you view it. So again, I left out in the early, uh, gosh, I hate saying it in the early nineties, late, no, 1989. I met George and Phyllis, Phyllis Dobbs out of California. Uh, they had Dobbs training. It was e-collar. Uh, they were, they were the ones, uh, pushing Tritronics at the time. And 89 was that thing like gas filled. Yeah. That, <laughs> did you funny. have to jump start that shit with some jumper cables? What was the one that you had to like change the thing? Ageism. On the <laughs> oh, man. Ageism. <laughs> you go for that one. Um, your mom was there. No, uh, that was good. Yeah. You, you deserve that one. Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. But she didn't like the e collar. No. Um, <laughs> no, she's so, mean. anyways, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Dobbs were very kind to me. Uh, I was nobody. And, uh, they uh, took the time. No question was stupid, but I was really lucky to meet them because they were artists uh, with that collar. And you know, Brian Mallory? 
Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, so Brian's trainer for the Secret Service. I met him. He he threw them, and so uh, Brian helped me. And then I started messing, and I, I developed my own towel with the e-collar. And uh, um, so that that was that that's how I got into it, and I started developing it, uh, doing it my way. Um, but I do have problems with it. So yeah, um, we find um, that there's a lot of folks that are, have gotten into the police world, training police dog world from other um, avenues of dog training that are all compulsion. Hammer, yeah. hammer, hammer, hammer. And it's bled over. So when I got in the unit in 05, literally had, bled over. Right. We had, <laughs> we, and my unit was choke chains only Ish. at the beginning when I first got in. We had one e collar, the e collar. Go get the e collar out the of holy the holy e collar, like the holy hand grenade on the monitor. Right. Cause <laughs> your dog, it won't out or wouldn't whatever the yeah. prong collar go get the prong collar. Cause he doesn't walk at a heel real well. And it was all just smoke them, smoke them off the bite. Yeah. Uh, we had a, we had a dog um, that was in my first class as a handler, real nice dog, like really nice dog. And uh, right before certification, he just, you know, his out was whatever he wasn't doing it. And um, in my opinion, they ruined him in one yeah. day. I call it EIP, electrically induced psychosis. I put a name on it. Oh, I like it. You can trademark. You can trademark that one. I'll give that one to you. All right. <laughs> yeah. Write that down. I can see that. Yeah. I, I can so, see. Like, I mean, what do you I, see for the EIP? What what behavior do you see the dog that you're like? Yep, you you did that to him. Um, I see so much. I'll say the word abuse. Uh, I, it's really not abuse if it's knowingly and intentionally. Um, the basic dog handling 101, I call it blue knuckle dog training, like all of us cut our teeth. You're, you're gripping the leash so tight, your, your knuckles turn blue. We skip that and everybody's wanting the easy button. Uh, yes. Uh, but the e-collar training where they are, let's, let's talk about the bite suit. Um, the bite suit is a neon sign that says, bite me. They've been brought up in Holland all their lives, bite me, bite me, bite me. Uh, and then we turn that into a control exercise around the bite suit. Well, if I'm gonna do civil agitation or civil control, call offs, I'm gonna do it in civilian clothes because that's what my bad guy's gonna be in. And the bike suit is, uh, you know, it's the holiest of all holies. And I just, I just think it's like slapping a kid to make him say, I love you to do call buys in a bike suit when I, when I should do any work like that, uh, into being closed. You, you get what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. but that's my opinion, you know, what, you know, what they're, what they're like and what they, what they smell like. But, uh, but some of this stuff that I'm seeing, um, if I'm, if I, if I'm going to take my $15,000 dog, I want all the testosterone I can have. I'm not going to let some trainer burn the testosterone out of my dog with an e-collar. It's just, it's not going to happen. I won't let it happen. Um, I think there's people from other genres, like Eric said, that, that come from other training principles that have stepped into the pointy-eared dog world. 
And uh, I'm not going to ask my, uh, I'm not going to ask a fat man how to do sit-ups. I'm not going to ask a baseball coach how to coach my linebackers. And I'm not going to have a bird dog guy tell me how to train my pointy-eared dog. Just, just the way it is. I uh, I get that routinely where I have I have some friends because I'm in Oklahoma right so Oklahoma and Arkansas North Texas and <laughs> excuse me and Kansas like we have some really talented um, bird dog trainers here like super fucking talented we've had some on the podcast several um, that are really good um, with the obedience side with e collars and they'll be the first ones to tell me I don't know fuck all about bite stuff and <clears throat> when I apply. Well, what I've talked to not the guys we've had on the podcast, but other people that are good with bird dogs, and it's literally avoidance training. I'm like, fuck, I can't do that. Like, if I do that with these dogs, they're gonna fucking kill me. Like, there is no way I'm going to do that. And it creates a whole host of other problems with those dogs and with the pointy-eared dogs, right? And I'm like, but when we do that, we start introducing other problems. And they're like, well, What other problems? And you start talking to them about them, and they're like, Well, I would never thought of that. I'm like, Well. I mean, how often is that a problem? <laughs> like with you, like how often is it a big deal that you don't got to play tug with a dog to get a duck out of his mouth? Like, it's not like they're bred genetically to be soft mouth. And they're like, oh yeah, that's a good point. I'm like, well, yeah. So, I mean, that's when people tell me, they're like, oh, can you train a Malinois to be a duck dog? I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, I guess you can. I know people that have done it. Some people that I know that are, that I respect a ton. And I'm like, but like they're gonna come back and some like fucking pieces fucking feathers everywhere and whatever else so i uh i mean the skill set the tool is very valuable right and we use it different ways and i don't know shit about duck dogs or gun dogs i don't train them i don't do it i don't fucking hunt i'm not going to and the skill set and the way that they use the collars is much 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 different than how we do it as law enforcement military trainers without a doubt the dogs are different the training is different collars are the same but man it is not not the same thing how much are you guys seeing that where the uh, e-collar in the in the dog world right now where the e-collar is the supreme commander not the handler i'm seeing it a lot yeah uh, but the guys they they're yeah. still not good at it yeah and so few of them are not good at it and this is what i understand because it's 2021 right and a lot of the people that are handling now are you know millennials or you know in their mid-20s to like early 30s they grew up playing fucking video games those guys should have badass timing like they should they should have mm -hmm. badass timing and that's kind of the main thing like my i'm 40 something 41 so like my generation the smallest 41 exactly see so like my generation grew up and like we were the first generation that had fucking video games so a lot of guys in my generation are really good with timing because we play video games or we did or i used to when i was a kid not anymore but like like the hand-eye coordination the timing and so like trainers before me like uh some people i've worked with in the past like their timing is fucking terrible and that's why yank and crank is fucking great because you don't have to have good timing. You just fucking apply pressure when the behavior is performed. You release pressure, done deal, right? No big deal, super fucking easy. So like the whole like feathering and like you know timing and tapping and everything else has gotten like lost in the thing. And then having to teach that to a canine handler who I may not have a lot or not long enough is really really uh, hard to teach that skill set timing. The anticipation like all those things so even with some of the bird dog guys it's difficult to talk about yeah listen back in the day steve and i both could whoop your ass in some pong 
That little, remember I, that, Steve? Yeah, little, I got man. one of those for Christmas. I was excited. Little dial thing's the best. <laughs> fucking so, knob. <laughs> one of the things, uh, one of the things Ted and I talk about is I don't care how old you are, how young you are, if you're not constantly learning or learning new things or getting with new trainers and different people and learning maybe a little tweak or a little style change and some different things to things you've been doing for a long time, you're wrong and you're making a huge mistake. There's so many trainers like that. And I say that to bring up the fact that um, a good buddy of all of ours uh, was just over hanging out with Steve and some of his boys and doing an e-collar school. Now Who? Steve's been doing this a long time and they still brought in a guy, uh, our, our oh. good buddy, Nick. Yeah, yeah. And what's, what kind of uh, was the impetus of bringing him in and kind of what, what did you take out of it? That was kind of a little bit eye-opening for you, even at this point. Um, I was interested because I, I heard raves about uh, Nick, uh, Nick's training and he's a guy of some renown. Uh, people know who he is. And then I met him uh, at, at uh, Fort Benning where he was working with some youngsters and uh I liked what I saw, and uh, we trained together, uh, him and I, and Fred Fusco from Storm Tactical uh, mm-hmm. was there, and uh, um, I just kept my mouth shut and listened to Nick all week, and uh, he gave me some epiphanies, and there's no trauma involved in Nick's e-collar training. That's what I loved about it, uh, and... Nick likes every dog he's working with. Have you ever seen the trainers that they really don't like dogs? Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's some of those guys around. And uh, um, so Nick clues in with the relationship. But, yeah, I, I got a lot of takeaways from it. And uh, I'm stealing from him now. Um, what, what was your impression? Have you been to his course? Uh, no. I, him and I have talked a lot. I get, always get mesmerized by his beautiful blue eyes. And his white teeth. Right, yeah, he's fucking, he's very photogenic. TV, TV, yeah, TV, fucking Nick on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah we he was on the podcast. About. We've been on his podcast, but no, I mean he's he's a very accomplished um, trainer in terms of how, and it's exactly what I'm saying. It, he's very nuanced, and and it's obvious because you know off leash in general that his business is very successful in terms of being like obviously huge. And they have a program that they teach to all their trainers. And it's not necessarily as nuanced as Nick is with himself, but the program itself is very nuanced. And it's not, um, like you said, it doesn't create a ton of trauma. Um, it's more of a communication thing more than anything else, which is, you know, talking to him about it, whether, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or not. I've talked to him about it before. But, um, you know, it's a very nuanced, like, thing. Um, one of the things that he said to me one time that, um, actually came back to help me recently. He was like, you know, imagine the dog can't hear you. Like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, fuck. Okay. So I had to train a deaf pit bull recently, which it was all e-collar work and super sweet what, dog. Like, a deaf pit bull? Yeah. She was deaf. His name? <laughs> yeah. Well, no. And that's the thing. Like, hey, hey, his name. hey. Even, even me, right? Like, so, and I knew the dog was deaf when they dropped it off and even I would still talk to the dog and I would ask the owner, like, what's its name? And I'm like, well, fuck, it doesn't matter. She doesn't know what her name <laughs> is. Like, I was like, fuck. And I would catch myself because I hate, one of the things I hate is when handlers talk to dogs. I'm like, shut the fuck up. He doesn't need to hear you. 
like say the command one time or talk to somebody else, talk to your backup guys, talk to the team guys, talk to the suspect, talk to somebody else other than the damn dog. Right. Cause they're constantly just jibber jabber, jibber jabber all the fucking time. I'm like, shut up. And I caught myself talking to this dog and I'm like, fuck. And I would talk to her and I'm like, she can't hear me. Like, I mean, like, it's not like I, so I, I had to like, how do I do this? Right. So she didn't get warning. She didn't get anything else. So, I mean, it was very much a nuanced conversation with a deaf dog with an e-collar is the only reason I is the only way because I didn't, couldn't use the clicker. So, cause she can't fucking hear. So how do I communicate with her? And I'm like, it's gotta be an e-collar and her owner, when she picked her up, right. All she, all the only thing the owner wanted to do was be able to go out and go on runs or go on hikes and come back when she was called. That's it. That's all she wanted to do. Dog wasn't dog aggressive, not resource aggressive, just a pit bull that she wanted to be able to have a life and be off a leash. And I got that dog to recall on a fucking dime from over the horizon with an e-collar. And the owner cried when she picked her up. She's like, oh my God. I can, and she sent like to this, to this, the other day, she sent me a thing like a, she sent us our, on our text deal, a um, like video of the dog, like, you know, 40 yards out on a nature trail out in Arkansas. And she just pages her with the vibe because I did a force recall with a vibrate and which was a mark. And the dog, she pages her, the dog comes mocking back. I'm like, perfect. So, but I, I, when you, when you mentioned that to like, there's no trauma. And like, I remember the conversation I had with Nick. He was like, just imagine the dog is deaf. And I'm like, well, that's stupid. They got big ass ears. <laughs> of course they can hear me <laughs> until they can't fucking hear you. And then, then here I sit. Well, he, so, quoted, he quoted you this, this week. Oh God. So something about the hand, don't put your hand. Yeah. Don't put yeah. your hand. Yeah. 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 Nick's right, a prophetic. Case. Mine are hilarious. So very prophetic. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. put your hand anywhere you put your he, dick. He gave yeah. you credit for it, by the way. Nice. Yeah. And and Nick's uh, one of the thing about Nick is he's uh, obviously an entrepreneur and he's always thinking. And he's developed uh, with a company a different e collar, kind of a change in the e collar. Did you find that worked well for you guys? Yes, it's, it's awesome. I, I'm uh, I'm uh, working with a puppy right now, but yeah, the, uh, you need to check it out. Um, so um, I just bought one. It just came in. I haven't messed with it yet. Um, I got it like last week. You'll, so you'll love it. I, I uh, yeah, it's uh, gives you a lot of options. But I, I tell you, I didn't see the not one dog squealed. I, I swear I didn't see one traumatic event. And I guess to save everybody time, go go train with Nick. You know, uh, yeah. see what he's doing. And uh, no, it gave me. It was very refreshing. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. He's uh, got the art of being able to teach others to teach, you know, and that's an art, right? Oh, yeah. To, 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 to yeah. share that kind of knowledge. So I'm going to ask you about one more uh, piece of training equipment before we go on break. Um, one of the most, because and it, you mentioned it earlier real briefly, one of the most, in my opinion, misunderstood or underused pieces of equipment is the muzzle. Where does that fit in your program uh, from a, a, as you've been training all these years, huge, huge, major. Uh, uh, I think uh, that's what makes a real dog. Yeah. What do you think is the most like uh, misunderstood part of it that people have that that uh, that I handlers think, would have? I think um, that if they have a dog that's a strong muzzle fighter that it's going to, some people think that that means it's going to bite on the street. And 
You have again, <laughs> I use that word, the aggregate. You have to do the aggregate, right? Mm -hmm. So that, I think that's a misunderstood part of it. Um, uh, introducing the muzzle, actually, if you have time, I'll tell you. Yep. Uh, somebody taught me to introduce the muzzle. That was because uh, I, you know, I, I would do the old jam it on there. If oh, I yeah. want, if I have a kennel and I've got ten dogs, yes, I'm going to jam it on their head. I don't, I, but with my own dog, uh, yeah. you, you familiar with hard dog requisites? Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. I have a suit from them. Oh yeah. Okay, love them. Uh, the owner, Guy Harrison, taught me to you know just take a muzzle, sit down and watch TV, and have eat, eat potato chips out of the muzzle, and have your dog sitting beside you. You know, just turn that into the food bowl. And do you, do you guys feed out of the muzzle when you have time? Oh yeah. 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 Even when right. I don't have time, because <laughs> yeah. I'm not fucking fight. out of it. That's I am not though. fighting with a dog. It's when, a pain in the ass. I am not mm -hmm. fighting with a dog with my hands near his mouth. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. is for sure. Yeah, but he saw. He taught me, you know, having the dog uh, lay on the floor beside you while you're watching TV and keep the muzzle away from him, make him want to dive it in there, you know. And you just eat your potato chips and maybe, you know, I don't know. It's silly, but it worked. Mm -hmm. But uh, right. that's. Building Steve's dog. If I have, if I'm building a lot of dogs, I don't have time for that. Right. So, yeah. When I have the dogs at the kennel, my the ones that are goofy about it, I have a trick where we'll go to the kennel door, like we're going to go outside or we're coming back inside, and they sit and stare at the door and wait, 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 and I get behind them and rodeo and just put it on them and and hold on, and then we get it. And it works. I get them every time because as soon as I get them, eight I, yeah, <laughs> I pin the back legs and 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 hold on and. Yeah. Uh, I've had decent success. Idea. They hate it. But the other thing too with muzzles, guys, is uh, it's not just to go to the vet. No. It, yeah. what, that's what, that's what, what guys do. What's the first do. exercise you do in a muzzle? I'm, I'm curious. For me, uh, the first, if I'm like introducing them with an ex, uh, I'll have it. Usually they've had it on because we had to go to the vet in the very beginning. Uh, I start playing with them in it, just walking around bullshit nonchalant. And then the first like actual exercise that I'm going to do will be more of a civil thing, trying to get them just to hit with it and then start, okay. you know, building and fighting. Some dogs I've had to cheat and throw a suit top on to kind of put a little context yeah. to it. But again, you're not teaching. And this is a big mistake that people make is that you're not teaching that dog to bite with yeah. using that muzzle. We use it for, muzzle fighting i i in my opinion i use it to teach a dog to fight a man who doesn't have a bite suit on mm -hmm. and because if there we've met guys that that only use muzzle only and their dogs have tons of failures and i ask him how the fuck do you teach them they only use muzzles they do not believe in 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 equipment to bite with and i'm like how the fuck do you teach them to out and they look at me crazy and i'm like well he's got a bite to out right and they just look at me like i'm crazy i'm like well like you just teach a recall or what? I mean, like, how do you, like, I mean, how do you like maintain grit? Like, how do you do all these behaviors? And they just look at me. They're like, you just understand. I'm like, I'm, you're right. I don't like, that's why I'm asking you. Uh, yeah. Like when we do it, I teach, depending on the dog, like if they're super like not having it and they're still super not having it after we do the whole food thing, I'll throw a jolly ball out in the yard and like, yeah. I'll put the muzzle on them and I'll kick the jolly ball or soccer ball out. And I'm like, go chase that for five minutes. And mm -hmm. 30 seconds in they forget that the thing's on their face and they're just pushing that jolly ball all over the yard and do that like i don't know twice 
over a couple days. And then they're usually like super okay with the muzzle. And then I'll do what Eric does. Like we'll move into like a contextually an exercise. The dog understands whether it's on a bite table or for a young dog, like a green dog, whether it's on like a bike table or a back tie or something where they're used to like, okay, in context, I know I'm supposed to do something here, like what I'm supposed to do. And then I'll give them a familiar presentation without equipment and let them smoke me with my training group. Like every dog in our training group's got bites when it's 175 degrees outside. Nobody wants to wear a bite suit. I'm like these dogs fucking bite people. No one cares. Go put the muscle. Where's your place, Where's your place out? Ted? What state? Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's hot as shit here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And what, what is your first exercise you do with them? Uh, it's kind of similar to Ted. Uh, I, I use that, you know, the horse ball, it's, you know, the yeah. app ball. Yeah. And then you can, you can put the, the, from a horse company and get the covering for it. Same, same, same concept as a jolly ball. But one thing I learned, I told, uh, I've been telling people, if I ever write a book, it'll be called my favorite dog trainer is my dog because mm-hmm. I'll use another dog. Uh, now, you know, like, uh, take the dog that doesn't like the muzzle, let the other dog play with the jolly, with the horse ball in a room. The other one gets involved. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's the fastest way for me is to, to, to let a dog walk, watch another dog. Yeah. We call it the circle of death. Yeah. yeah. We have young dogs and old dogs in a circle in muzzles, one or two decoys, you know, in the middle, young dogs learn from old dogs yeah. and they start to see it. And the only thing that sucks about it is if you're the decoy, it will oh, yeah. wear you out. Yeah. Right. Hagner will puke when we do that one. But don't be a and pussy. I'm doing no, it. I'm I mean, 52 years old. Damn it. Yeah. We did it in, we did it in uh, South Carolina and Joe um, from up near Philly got his fucking ass handed to him. He mm-hmm. looked like he got in a fight with a fucking tiger. Oh dude. He was, he was smoked. Like it, he was cut up and I'm like, yeah, everybody in literally all the handlers must've cut their dog's toenails the night before. So <laughs> yeah. all right, we're going to go ahead and take another break. We come back. We got some more stuff to talk to uh, our good buddy, Steve about. Uh, so stick around. Don't fast forward through the commercials, but in the show notes at the bottom are all of the, um, the discount codes. Remember Ted and I don't have them memorized. Just go and look them up like we do. So we'll be right back. All right, we love the Perkinsons down in uh, North Carolina at Highland Canine Training. They are great people, great trainers. They got a good business model. They're awesome folks. We've been with them for a long time. Uh, they're also super smart. And they understand that a lot of agencies are struggling to have manpower. So they're not sending people away for training. You guys have been there. You know, you put in denied lack of manpower. So they've created an online course section of their website, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. You get on there under training the online course, but here's the best thing is they offer a supervisor, canine supervisor course, which we know a lot of uh, police canine supervisors don't get to go to training. They don't know as much as they should right here online. uh, The course discusses topics such as proper selection of dogs and handlers, proper deployment, effective allocation and utilization, as well as liability and the FLSA issues, which we know is where all the legal stuff comes from, interdepartmental. Uh, The course can be taken at your convenience and you will receive a certificate of completion at the end. Uh, They're offering an amazing discount, guys. 30% off using the discount code WDR30. It's a no-brainer. If you're a police supervisor and you guys have manpower issues and you can't go Get on tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com under the training tab. Get on that supervisor's course, man. I'm telling you, it's a smart decision. 
Another one of our favorite partnerships with the podcast here is the one and only Dogtra. The Dogtra guys have been producing some amazing tools in the dog training world for a long time. Everything from e-collars, GPS tracking, ball trainers. If it's electric and you use it with a dog, they've probably done it. They're the best. They are revolutionizing the way you communicate with the dog. I use it daily, whether I'm using pets. Uh, I use the 200C on most of our pets. Uh, most of my patrol guys will use a 1900 hands-free, 1900S hands-free. And then I use the ball popper pretty much daily with all of our detection dogs for imprinting on our box protocols. So hit them up at Dogtra Official on Instagram and Facebook. And then you've got Dogtra.com. And when you go there, if you use the discount code WDR, one zero they give you 10 percent off a single item over 200 bucks so if you're looking at a 1900 s or that ball popper pro or one of those things it'll knock a substantial chunk off there so hit them up doctor.com wdr10 so everybody knows that ted and i uh not only train police dogs we train pet dogs right we train dogs so it's why our relationship with Ray Allen manufacturing is so important. They've, these guys have been doing this so long. They knew and they understand that dogs are dogs and it's not just working dog people that need things for their dog and dog training. So you go to rayallen.com. They have everything dog related that you need. Anything that when it comes to dogs, pet dogs, your pet training dogs, police dogs, dogs you're training for other departments, anything you need, rayallen.com. Uh, they've got it. You can get on there. So if you're ordering stuff for police dogs and if you have a pet side, you can get it all in one, man. They ship it out. Got a nice big box full of a whole bunch of stuff. There's nothing better than getting a big box of dog training stuff in the mail. They also are great to us and they offer a discount code working dog radio, all capital letters, working dog radio for 10% off. Check them out. RayAllen.com. Great people. Ted and I use them every day. So our first and Oldest sponsor that's been with us from the beginning is Arno out, out at ALM, uh, out there in, in Las Vegas area. Arno is a great dude. He makes great stuff for, for police work and sport work, suits, tugs. I'm telling you right now, his tugs are the best in the business. You can't get any better. Multiple colors. Uh, I, I buy boxes of them from him and give them out to everybody. Uh, I've got a bite suit from him. Love it. I've had it for a little over three years and it's holding up like a champ. Um, Ted's got a suit that he's had forever from ALM. Uh, we wouldn't go anywhere else, man. We love it. Arno is such a good dude. His uh, ALM canine equipment.com is the website. Get on there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom suits based on your measurements. Um, he's got stuff already, already made up. If you kind of, Get a kind of generic large size maybe for everybody. The colors he has, man, is really cool. He can put a lot of stuff on those suits. Uh, check them out, almk9equipment.com, and use the discount code WDRADIO for 10% off. You know, running a kennel is one of those things that I always worry about is cleanliness and safety of dogs. And it's it seems like it's an ever-changing issue being able to house dogs and move things around everything else. So the guys at Horizon Structure make this as easy as possible. Literally, the only thing you have to do is have water and power hookups, and they deliver it, and you can put dogs in that day. And it comes built, comes on a trailer, they just drop it off, you plug it in, put dogs in it, and you're ready to rock. You keep them clean, you keep them safe, you keep them cool in the summer and warm in the wintertime, and it's completely custom. You can go complete, mild to wild. I've seen some that were stainless steel all the way from top to bottom on the inside, and then I've seen some for a, a bulldog breeder that you know had smaller gates because those things can't jump. So if you reach out to them, 
Uh, they're sitting there waiting for you to call and help you through the custom design process. They have everything from two dog ones up to, uh, I want to say like 18 or 20. It's a lot of, you can put a lot of dogs, indoor, outdoor runs. So anything you've ever dreamed of, they've got it or have done it or can do it. So they've taken all the guesswork out of building it. Everything is pre-done to your specifications that it's assembled, dropped off, boom, you're ready to rock. Things are amazing. Uh, Rigney has one. Uh, we've had him on the show a couple of times. Go check out his Instagram and you can see he's posted it up there before. Go look Horizon up at Horizon Structures, spelled out uh, on the internet. It's horizonstructures.com. And you're going to look for the link in there that says commercial dog kennels or give them a call 888-447-4337. They'd love to talk to you and get you started on the way. All right, guys, we are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. Uh, talking all things the Tower of Zane with our our good buddy Steve Stoops. Um, so I, one thing you and I talked about, I wanted to kind of branch into before we get into like your what you got happening now is the state of the police canine world today, as okay. far as you know, they're so it's so inconsistent over this country around this country about uh, certifications. There are states have zero. Ohio has their own. Um, Oklahoma some states has have, one. yeah. Some states have just bite work. Some states have just narcotics work. Uh, yep. Then a lot of people use Napawata and, and different places um, because you still get to travel all over the country and you're still uh, involved in a lot. What do? What is your opinion of the state of police certification and kind of how things are going these days? Well, I. I can't be current on that, but I can tell you my experience with certifications. Sure. Uh, um, I think that we have our, we have police dogs as a sport, right? We have our own sport. Our sport is running building, locate, dominate, run in the field or woods, locate, dominate, maybe run to a vehicle, locate, dominate, Halftime show, may, if it's a dual-purpose dog, maybe find drugs or a bomb. Um, it's not like IPO where there's, you know, it's a sport with a lot of obedience. Um, I have seen uh, through organizations where the badass dog flunks the certification, but the, the sissy dog passes. Um I think that needs to be rectified in certifications. Um, um, I think I think locating and dominating the man is more than uh, more important than the recall. You know, there's uh, tons of sport dogs out there that are going to recall downstay, but you don't want to walk through a dark door then at night. What do you think? I, I've always said in some of the national certifications, I would love to see them add a a dark room bite or something on a slick floor, something like that, because you can have a dog that has just enough that he'll get through certification, but that dog should never, ever be working the road as a dual purpose dog. Right. Give me something. It doesn't have to be super insanely advanced, you know, for core competency testing, but we got to, it's unfair to put a dog out that, you know, it's going to get a guy hurt. And, and I've talked about this on the podcast and you probably haven't heard it, but my, I worked four dogs, my very first dog. They, they made me work her for three years on the road. 
she had 20 plus failures to engage a year for three years, 20 plus failures to engage. That tells you how busy our city was. Probably the most I've ever heard of, of anybody ever 20 plus, And they made me keep working her, but she killed it in certification because she would bite a su- sleeve or a suit or whatever. And, and travesty. yeah. And if they just, if they just did a hidden sleeve bite, she wouldn't have done it. She would have failed. Yeah. You know, what you know I mean? and, and what we, and I say that, and I talk, we talk about this a lot at HRDs, like what we're certified to do versus what we're trained. To, well, what we're certified to do versus what we're asked to do are two different skill sets, right. 110%. And the gap, uh, we wrote an article for the canine courier for USPCA and we just called it bridging the gap. Um, and they published it and it was about that in this very topic, like the being able to demonstrate um, that you have a core level of the ability to handle, like just because you pass the certification doesn't mean you can do your job well. It just means you can do it. And um, the one thing that I've always argued, like Eric, is is there needs to be an environmental test, or my thing was always a vehicle test, which should, which a vehicle entry uh, for police dogs, which um, environmentals are a weird thing. And single purpose and dual purpose, the one thing that dogs are washed for. Uh, nobody washes a dog for the inability to find target odor. That's not the issue. Um, almost routinely, they are washed because they will not look for it or they have some weird environmental problem. I can't count the number of dogs that are fucking gangster. And when they're in drive, but when they're not, they have like these weird like little things that I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Why are you doing that? And inevitably, that stuff shows when pressure amps up. And I'm not advocating that these certifications need to be like this fucking crazy ass pressure test and whatever else. It doesn't need to be like a level three PSA fucking obedience routine or anything weird, but there definitely needs to be something that is an environmental stressor, whether it be noise. Um, Some of them have a gunshot, have a gunfire deal or it needs to be dark room or something else. But um, I a hundred percent agree. Cause I mean, at HRD now we're close to 600 handlers from like three countries. And, um, routinely, if we see a problem, it, it always, it's always in two groups. You either have lack of exposure to the problem. You have a dog that has really fast recovery. So like once they see it once, great, no big deal. They do it over and over again, which is what Eric always talks about. Expose them to the most random shit you can so that it, nothing is ever a surprise. Or we have dogs that have full-on genetic failures where no amount of training is going to overcome some preconceived fucking weird deal they have with fire hydrants or something. And you'll never find that out in certification. Like, you're not going to be asked to be exposed to, like, environmental stressors, and you'll never see. So you'll have dogs that will crush it in certifications. But, uh, like Eric said, like, and then all of a sudden we ask them to run into a dark room, and they're like, nah. Call him, ask him to come out. I'll get him then. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, that's not how this works, horn. dude. Yeah. So how do you guys how do you guys feel about a certification that has a uh, a um, a choke off option? See, I'm all for that because if if your dog dead breaks out of the car and bites me, your ass better get up there choking him off. I don't want you back there going, Alice here, Alice, because I'm gonna you know I'm gonna get after I get done screaming from the first bite, he's gonna tag me again. Because I'm scared, and I, I think a certification should have the the, the choke off option. I I believe uh, the certification sh- you should show 
um, a choke off, a verbal, and a tool. Yeah, yeah. Just, and and that's boom, what we boom, teach. Boom, and that's what I so teach. You pass two out of three, you pass. There you go. Yeah, yeah. that would be a B plus. Yeah, and you know <laughs> these get from, degrees, baby. Yeah, from a case law perspective, that's super important to demonstrate control under Kerr versus West Palm Beach. Um, every federal court, I mean, last time I saw it, which was, I don't know, like 10 months ago or something, it looked, it's been cited like 400 and something times in federal court. Like every federal court is, is, um, familiar with Kerr, right? I call it the shit show. Um, but it is, uh, it is the basis for, um, what we kind of define. Some, well, is the base for what we define as handler control in the United States when it comes to police dogs. Um, and there's like between, depending on who you talk to, there's between seven and nine mandates that come out of that case and the subsequent cases after that. But a lot of that has to do with managing that dogs out. Right. So when Kerr was originally set, like it had this verbal fucking thing, right. And this is 1980 something we've progressed a lot and that, that, that cases have been whittled down. Um, and they've been talked about quite a bit. One of them came out of Eric's district where a trooper actually used a bite, a breaker bar and it was deemed, um, like legit under Kerr. I'm kind of of the opinion and the way that that, that opinion is written, that, that that handler has to have control, quote unquote, control. If you're looking at me on YouTube, you can see me making the bunny ears. They got to have control of that dog and being able to manually out them, break them off, verbally out them, or choke them off. You've got to have some way to do it. And I think that it should be demonstrated. We go to HRDs now and I'm like, how many people have used a breaker bar? And like, some people have never... You know, use them. I was like, well, I think you're prying their teeth open. Right. And then they're like, well, why wouldn't you? And I'm like, what if you can't hear you? I'm like, why didn't you be able to hear me? I'm like, well, fuck, you're about to find out. So, like, like you're, you're, you still got to be able to get him off there. So, so speaking of that, we're talking about environmental things. You know, that's what most of the problems the dog has. Your current job, environmental noise and everything else is. Uh, would probably be one of the main things that would wash dogs or you would struggle with just the, from ways you get places, helicopters, just gunfire noise, all the things that go on with uh, DOD dog stuff. H- how do you test dogs overseas? Is it a an average of things you're looking for? Like, I think it'll probably be good because those guys over there are not throwing them in a helicopter. They're not getting rotor washed. They're not getting here they're 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 not How, what what tests have you been doing environmentally that seem to have the most success for you um so i i see a dog that that, that, that handles the if he's if he's testing well in the slick floors my, my test is probably just like yours if he's if he's really strong you know up and down stairs it, it generally and you know they we test the gunfire just like you do if i go over there i we find somebody that's got a revolver and we, we pop a few rounds, but, um, 38 blank, baby. <laughs> yeah. Loud, loud, you know, they, whatever they have over there, they're loud as they're, they're loud as all get out. But, um, starting a lawnmower, um, you know, a tractor, anything like that. But the helicopter thing is, is kind of funny because I hate helicopters too. Like if I have a great dog, and he doesn't like rotor wash. If he's a great dog, I'm going to pick him up and I'm going to carry him. And both of us are going to hate the helicopter ride because, you know, we're scared. But as long as his ass is ready for business when he's out of the rotor wash, that's fine. So what I'm saying is the, the, what I, the, a, tolerate, a behavior I wouldn't take in a helicopter would be a dog aggressive, you know, aggressive. Again, that asshole dog we wouldn't buy. 
mm-hmm. uh, that's aggressive yeah. to the fellers. But as far as optimal, yeah, I want him to love and, and uh, uh, jump on a helicopter or jump into anything, but that would not be a flunk for me if the dog is awesome and he's together. I'll pick him up and carry him. Yeah. Do you, you get those sometimes that they're like, I'm never going to like this. You're just going to yeah. have to live with it. Yeah. And I think most people, most trainers in, in the tactical world where they use helicopters would probably, would probably flunk the dog. I'm just saying I had an epiphany with a great dog and I'm like, why? You know, I don't like helicopters either. I'm scared of them. I don't dig them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but I tolerate it, you know, so if I have a great dog, that's one little thing, you know, that's the, uh, as long as his, as long as, he's motivated once we're out of the rotor wash that's where that's where it counts so it's not it's not an automatic flunk for me right so i want to ask you a question you and i talked about uh, on the phone uh that we haven't asked anybody um so when i was uh out uh working the contract for cobra on the west coast there was three trainers two of us were cops one uh was a, a dod guy um He'd been a, a contract, a handler, and then a contract handler. Um, at the time, the um, the other Navy units, the higher higher level units, were using the guys that were there were former cops. The guy it was a, the GS positions. A lot of those are in, in around the DOD that are either contract trainers or guys that uh, you know have GS positions were former police canine handlers or police canine trainers. Sometimes, and one of, one of the handlers that I was working with, when I was leaving, they were talking about replacing me with another guy that was in law enforcement. He goes, great, another fucking cop. When are we going to get a, a, a team guy or something like this? Why do you think that is that, that so much of us do have so much success doing that? Well, I'll tell you why I know that is. Um, the people, you got a job out there on the West Coast because of, People I can name on one hand. May I name them? The guys that actually had the foresight to put these programs together before 9-11 even occurred was Shannon Krieger, Sergeant Major Pat McCauley, uh, Alan Miller, Ike Eikenberry from the Soldiers of the Sea. Those are the guys that did it. And what they found out was that what they deduced themselves they did a lot of due diligence before these programs were set up. They went out and rode with police officers. They went to Lackland. They, it was a couple of years of development before they even bought dogs. And what they learned was that the only people doing, for a lack of a better term, offensive combat with dogs were American police officers. The military has had never done offensive combat with dogs. And what I define, what I mean by that is dogs that were out searching to encounter and dominate a man. Now they had them in World War II as scout dogs, uh, in, in Vietnam, scout dogs, right? Detector dogs, and also base security dogs where they, they bit people, you know, people coming inside the wire, but actually locating and dominating an adversary was a skill set that people from the law enforcement community had. So these guys had the forethought to grab police officers and have, because they, they, when the, when the balloon went up in this war, let's stand this thing up fast. And we, the guys sitting here and our, the people that we, our brothers out there, we bleed blue. That's where the knowledge was. And that's why, you know, people will want to throw at me, 
uh, special forces or whatever term. No, man, everything that makes me what I am today is what I got on the street as a police officer. That's where, that's where I got my knowledge. Uh, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm most proud of. That's a, uh, people ask me all the time, like what's the difference between a personal protection dog and a law enforcement or a military dog. And I say that American cops and our SF, well, just as a big umbrella are the only people, well, the only Americans that are actively hunting someone that is trying to evade them and is trying to conceal their position and is yep. trying to get away from them and is dangerous and will hurt them or the dog like in a personal protection scenario, like, or in all these other guard dog bullshit scenarios, not bullshit, but just guard dog scenarios. Like once the threat has left they're like, you're no, it's no longer a problem with military dogs and police dogs. You are hunting people and then you're going to encounter them and they may not be overtly threatening. Like we talk about dead checks and passive bites all the time for law enforcement. Like you've got to bite people that are passive just because they're passive. Doesn't mean that they're not dangerous. And the most dangerous person out there. Yeah. Well, we talk about that all the damn time. Those are the ones that are fucking freak me out. Like nowhere, where, nowhere do you see somebody like fuck the police? Like I'm not going back to jail. I'm going to fight this dog. Most of the time they're trying to get away or they're just laying there. Or they're hiding sitting under there. some shit. They're hiding under. Yeah. So, and they, and I tell people, I'm like, and I tell officers this all the time. I'm like, you are in a unique position. You are hunting someone that is trying to actively evade you. In fact, it's one of the three prongs of Graham. It's one of the reasons we get to fucking bite people. So I'm like, that is part of it. Like, well, they, like you're hunting someone trying to get away from you. And the dog selection and the training for that is unique. And like when people are like, oh, do you make a good personal protection dog? Or dogs that make good personal protection dogs that are defensive shitheads, right? That are only protect their yard or only protect their car are not going to hunt somebody and seek out a confrontation. They're just not going to do it. They're going to bark. And if you run off, they're like, fuck it. You bark at a Malinois, a Malinois barks at you and you run, he's going to chase your ass and fucking bite you, which is what we want. So I, it's interesting you say that because that's a, that's a huge deal. Because I mean, we tell people, I tell, I had an office conversation today with somebody and I said, we're not there to fuck people up. We're there to take them to jail. So if we got to bite them, do it. Great. We're not going to, we don't, we don't, they don't have to shoot them. That's fine. Like I, I'm, I would prefer that, but I was like, they are trying to get away from us. And this is what the dog is there for. And he is there to find them. He is there to apprehend them if need be. That's not the main reason he's there, but they're there to find them and apprehend them and take them to jail so that they can go do the whole court thing. That's the only reason he's there. So, yeah, we still find, and you probably have come across it. Uh, not, not in your program or anything, but uh, we still find a lot of people that don't do passive bites, don't do what? still person bites. Yeah, a lot yeah. actually. The um, and that's, I mean, my dogs between my four dogs I had a lot of bites, and guys in my department had way more than me, and n almost none of them were running down now, the street. The guy that I've had, you know, some near-death experiences as a police officer, shootings, I've been stabbed. Everybody that tried to kill me was passive and seemingly compliant before they tried to kill me. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. serious. And I, I, I no, let me, uh, go ahead, Ted. No, I'm just, I'm agreeing. Like, I'm like. Uh, I want to get on my soapbox here for a second. This myth going around that these poor, seemingly passive, compliant young men that the police are hunting down, bullshit. Mm -hmm. And 
Yeah, so I wish police leadership is very disappointed in this era. They they need to go, I always say this, they need to go to Walmart and buy a backbone and start calling bullshit on this narrative. And none yeah. of them are doing it. And I feel sorry for the police officers right now. Uh, there I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, I need a handkerchief. I'm sweating now. So I'm preaching the gospel. Right. So um, I want to move forward to, so we can promote some of the stuff you're doing, but it leads us into the social media thing. You talked about, you know, you've kind of come out of the shadows like in the last few months and we can see you on, you know, teaching, you know, you got a new puppy you're, you're showing some development from, you've been on some podcasts, other shows, talking to people and things like that. Um, the internet is a, is a great thing for the, our businesses and great things for, for things we do, but it's so ridiculously irritating and you and I, I know are on the same page with tactical, this tactical, that you put somebody with a, uh, camo on and a dog and a rifle. Meanwhile, that person is a, is a waitress at IHOP, yeah. you know, or, or has never done it. Like I tell everybody I've mentioned about having worked for Cobra on the West coast with the, with NSW. I was there for four months. I was not there for years. I do not post pictures of me posing next to any emblems or, or a scuba gear, any, anything that would insinuate that I had done that for long periods of time. Um, when you started really getting into it, did that, that stuff just irritate the crap out of you? Yeah. Uh, I, uh, so actually, Sonia Nordstrom, you know, the FBI lady, she uh, came up with the idea to start American Tactical Aggregate Canine. And uh, so you can go to the website, but it's uh, some people I respect, like, uh, like-minded like people. But the aggregate, uh, all things put together, you've, you've walked through a dark door looking for a bad man. The people that make me clench my jaws are the ones out saying that they're teaching tactical and they do pose by a helicopter with a weapon slung, but they've never really done it. Um, I, I have, a, I have a problem with that. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, there's, there's some of that going on out there and I, I get it. People want to put bread on their table, but that's, uh, I think it's, overplayed. I mean, I, I get it. If you're wearing like, um, camo chaps or something like that. If you're trying yeah. to sell something, uh, I'll give it to you, whatever, go for it. But it's just like in, in, in the police world, tactical, this tactical, that cops buy anything that's black with a holster. You, you call it a tactical block of wood. These suckers are going to buy it and throw it in their yeah. gear bag, but they fall for that stuff. And, and there's, there's a lot of people that have that claimed to be here and claimed to be there doing all those jobs. And, and that stuff really, I mean, we're plugging away doing our thing and we know who the real people are, who aren't just, it gets me super irritated. My However, thing is always, my thing is always when I see people like that, I'm like, fuck, you should be a lot better than you are then. <laughs> like, yeah. and I, I've said that to a couple people. I'm like, God damn, you should be a lot better than this. Like, or I'd be like, you know I mean? And, and I'm really open about it. Like I was never in the military 
you know, and like, and I, and I tell people from the beginning, like, I'm not here to teach you fucking tactics. There are a hundred other, there is a thousand other people in this country that can that are trigger pullers from Afghanistan, from GWAT. And before that, that are way better at that than I am. However, not all those motherfuckers know how to train a dog and just tell tell me what you want to do and we'll figure it out. Yeah. You don't need to be a cop or military to be an awesome dog trainer. Um, what, I, what I'm saying is people misrepresenting. That's what yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah no, uh, I, I know exactly. <laughs> We're all cap- treading the line without like- Capital- Capitalizing on the valor of others is the way I kind of look at it. Um, yeah. But, um, oh, well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, here, here's an interesting, Nick White and Mike Reaver. Both of them were infantry guys in the worst years of the Iraq war. They will never tell you that. Nick White no. fought in Fallujah, as did Mike Reaver. Uh, they're, Nick they're White was a fucking people. Secret Service agent. Huh? Nick White worked for the Secret Service, too. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah but, I mean, but, he was know, like, which, yeah, I mean. They don't, but they don't flaunt it. They, they nah. you know, they'll never tell you that. And uh, it's just, I don't know, it speaks, speaks, speaks well of them, I think. Yeah, if you if you if Nick gives his bio on TV or whatever when he was on the TV, it, he he just said military, yeah, and then worked for the Secret Service and then has this business. Yeah. He, he doesn't say when, what, who, where, anything like that, and um, and it and I, I like it. So, yeah. jumping into the the big bad world of the internet now, um, on your Instagram. It's Zane underscore canine, right? I believe that's what it is. Zane yeah. underscore canine. Um, talk about what you got going on there because you've got a lot of different things that you've been going on. So uh, Caroline Watts, she is the brains behind it because I am a shape ape. I'm not good with the computers. But we do um, um, everything from uh, one-on-one pet, pet training to uh, – I go out and train police departments or SWAT teams doing canine, I call it canine intensification. Uh, some of the stuff we were talking about, how to, how to instill confrontation in a dog, um, fun stuff like that. I've, uh, I've been working closely with Sonia Nordstrom out in, out in uh, Utah uh, with, with ATAC, American Tactical, American Tactical Aggregate Canine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a website for that. You just go to atak9.com and you'll see the website. Um, so yeah, just, uh, having fun. Um, but I'm having a lot of fun with this, uh, with Caroline Zane canine here that that we're doing. Um, I I went up and taught, taught a little seminar up in, uh, Virginia beach for some doing, uh, uh, I had everything from home protection dogs to working, uh, police dogs. And I had a blast. So that's what I like to do. And then the little puppy you saw, little Beth, the little German shepherd puppy I'm training. I get a lot of joy from that. And uh, so, yeah, that's what, that's what I, that's what we've been doing. You guys got some swag. Got swag. Get on there. Stand up. (laughs) Give him a show. Zane canine dynamics. I like it. Oh, no. (laughs) If you're not watching on YouTube, you should. I'm sure train dogs. I like it. Never mind. That's all right. <laughs> Never mind. I should yeah, have been ready for this. You, you did good. Um, so are you, is the plan uh, going to be to like with, with ATAC doing seminars, doing just whatever comes your way or how, 
What's the plan there? Yeah, uh, so we've got some top people, uh, Fred Fusco to be mm-hmm. to be one, Shannon Krieger, uh, Ross Servant from Canada. Have you ever heard of him? No, He's I have not. Calgary, Canada. Mm-hmm. We got some top people, uh, Avi Cohen um, out of out of California. So we just want to teach. Um, not so. I don't want to get into dog selling business. Uh, yeah. I'll leave that to you guys. No, you don't. Just teach, share knowledge, have some fun. So, but get on the website and check it out. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. We had Fred on the podcast, like, yeah, like yeah, three years it, ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was been a minute. <laughs> it's been a little yeah. while. So, it may have been a gourmet chef. Did you know that? No. A train? No, he went to culinary school. Somebody told me that. Over in the army. Yeah. Somebody that wasn't a canine handler that was from over there told me that, <laughs> and I was yeah, like, no, really? Have him cook you a, a he's a, he's Sicilian, and he'll cook you a Sicilian dinner, and he's he's awesome. Yeah. That's Look, great. I, I like Italian food. I'll do it. <laughs> a lot of depth there. Yeah. Yeah. We actually, when we interviewed him, we had. Uh, heard of him but we actually didn't know till afterwards like who he was was you know what i mean like wh- where he was when he left the military and uh as far as oh, his, his f- footprint i should say mm-hmm. and afterwards like man we got lucky we got lucky to get to get big fred on there yeah fred's my uh my weekend hangout partner we have a lot of fun he's he's a very quiet guy but so we we Good, good mix. Good mix. So, um, I think you sent me a, an article. I want to touch on it because you mentioned a couple times about the, and we've talked about the personal protection dog, and you talked about it before we before we sign off. The, in my opinion, the home protection dog is one of the biggest rackets in all of the dog industry. It is filled with people that are just flat out stealing money from folks. In my opinion, they are getting defensive nerve bag shit dogs that look scary. It's because they're scared. They'll bite you. Yeah. And (laughs) I mean, that's not, it's always the same. They're standing. The owners are standing up against a fence or a wall like that standing. And then the dog is just going ape shit. So the one article I, I saw was about selecting that dog. What, what is it that you're looking for? when you're doing that kind of like executive protection dog? Um, so, the, you know, the longer you test, the less you know, right? So it's mm-hmm. pretty simple. The only, about everything I want in a good police dog, except for the reckless abandon, the busyness, the reckless right. abandon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, other than that, I want an open dog. Everything we talk, open, stable, um, and courage. And I call them coffee shop dogs. You know, some of these, a dog you can take in the coffee shop, non-reactive. Uh, that, that's what I look for. And a, a good dog is like pornography. You know it when you see it. Oh, I've uh, used that analogy before. So people <laughs> are like, how do you, I've been bit so many times by dogs, by pet dogs and police dogs. Every time I've been bit by social police dogs and they're like, how do you know this dog's going to bite you? I'm like, it's like porn. You know it when you see it. Like, I can't tell yeah. you exactly what it is, but I just know like that yeah. motherfucker is going to bite me. Because we know what we're doing. We know what we're doing. It's a feeling when you when you when you get a dog, right? It yeah. is. You, you, mm-hmm. A lot of people will test for hours, but the home protection dog. You get what I mean. You know, no reckless abandon. You know what we that that trait that we love in our police dogs. He can't yeah. have that land. No. Do you have a breed you've been leaning towards lately on those? Every one that I've sold, and and so it's a uh, referral based business. 
never sold one over the interwebs, uh, has, has been a German shepherd. Yeah. Yeah. That's that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> 110% makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're probably missing that reckless gene. <laughs> and I actually steered uh, one client and these are all people that, uh, the upper, you know, the, what we call the 1% or whatever. Um, but I, one of them wanted a Malinois and I kind of steered them away from it just a little bit. Yeah. You got to live with the dogs. Dog. I love them. Yeah. 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 You got to abandon. They are their own worst enemies, man. It's, it's, it's all go. That's why they work so well. Yeah. So, um, we want you to plug whatever you want to plug. Is there, you've already done uh, the ATAC. Uh, let's talk about Zane Canine. Anything you want to get out there, we want people to go check you out. Yeah, uh, get on our get on our little ATAC or uh, our little uh, Zane Canine uh, Instagram. Check us out. I, I'd love to go out and do some uh, teaching. Uh, like I say, I love, I love teaching aggression, uh, obedience, just about anything. But I, I really love uh, canine intensification. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably get a hold of you and talk to you about coming up. So my facility, we call it the fun house is 40,000 square feet of halls and rooms. And then I have a, um, simulation a shoot house in there, 10 room shoot house. So everybody wants to work the tactical SWAT integration, tactical dog, tactical dog movements and all this other stuff. And, um, I can teach it, but it's the 50 mile rule. I'd rather bring in someone from outside of 50 miles. So then they, actually listen to what the person says instead yeah, you're never you're never a prophet in your own town are you exactly. no never I, I deal i deal with that all the time yeah yeah when you go look at the fucking gravestone in the basement oh yeah there is a grave in our basement of my facility so true story it's creepy and shit and it's that yeah. it's dark like it's, it's super dark down there like you can wear nods in the daytime and yeah. i have no windows in the facility so we yeah. can train <laughs> business hours still yeah. Nods. yeah so. man uh, steve oh, creepy one more thing I have to say, I love training puppies. I don't warehouse puppies. If somebody wants our power puppy program, I do one at a time and love doing that too. Just get on, on the Instagram and hit you up about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. You got to get that Zane canine.com going too. Yeah. We got to canine.com. All right. Is it, is it up and guys. running? I appreciate that. Like if I, if I want your, if I want to get one of your shirts, which I do, is that on the website? website and the and the instagram both oh there you all go. right yeah that'll Pretty probably be her where's she she's, 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 the brain. Yeah, she's, she's sitting, still sitting there sitting off yeah, camera she's right here <laughs> yeah bring her in <laughs> let her slide in real quick yeah <laughs> hey oh tell God. rob listen Dude, no. come yes on. come here i want to ask you something Hello. tell rob we want to have him on too we want to have <laughs> rob on hey rob he on. missed something he had to have missed something to plug what he missed um, he did a pretty good job. I will say that. Um, right. no, right. if you, yeah, for sure. Anyone that wants any sort of interested in obedience, tracking, family protection, any inquiry, even if you're not local, if you're out of state, bring it. Yeah, you can email at info at zanecanine.com. There you um, go. We are open to almost anything. We just want to we want to work and he has the ability to do all the things. So why not? Uh, Perfect. Yeah. I knew you missed yes. something. Info. Is at <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. Logo. Yeah, we'll put, we'll put, uh, yeah. we'll put the email address in the websites, yeah. everything in the show notes. Okay. So be sure you guys scroll down, check it out. Info at zane canine.com. Get on the website. Letter canine. And 
um, we got to, uh, we got to give this guy his due. So anyway, Steve, thank you very much. Hey, appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, no problem. Hopefully we get to see each other and do some training soon. I hope so. All right, Ted, you're at the usual Ted underscore summers. Yeah. Everybody knows where I'm at. Torchlight K9, letter K number nine, Torchlight pets, Ted underscore summers on the Instagrams and then uh, working underscore dog underscore radio. And then HRD police K9 is all of the, all the stuff that we do. So yeah, when you're at the usual van S K nine on Instagram, I still am fascinated by the fact I am that too. <laughs> so many people that follow the working dog radio podcast and do not follow me or Ted on Instagram. It's I, I find it, it I to know. be strange, but whatever. whatever. So anyway, Steve, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate everything. We'll see you. See you guys. You got your reasons. I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.